Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. I might be becoming a bad baseball fan who can't enjoy the romantic things because of advanced statistics. 15 years from now, I want to be on the early baseball committee. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. I literally have the fan graphs hoodie, the baseball reference t-shirt, just repping some stats, you know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio. We're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Chris Chianta. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing very well today. Uh, we just finished the second to last weekend of the regular season. We've now entered uh, the final week before playoffs start. And it's crazy that playoffs are so soon. Uh, it really doesn't feel like they're as quickly approaching as they are. But uh, a lot went down this weekend. A lot of shakeups in the standings and shakeups in where teams stand. And uh, yeah, we got a lot to talk about. Yeah. And also, there's... also more importantly, we have we have a guest interview today. Yes, for the third time, we have Mark Simon coming on. Uh, you know, our our uh, official title form is defensive correspondent, and uh, and yeah, he delivered on some of the defensive questions we have. Um, on certain teams, on certain players, and uh, you know, a lot of tangents to go on. You know, talked about a specific uh, nine, dead ball era and 1920s and 30s uh, starting pitcher icon. Icon, um, yeah. yeah, pretty, pretty interesting stuff. So, without further ado, we shall talk a little bit about you know the standing shakeup and the fact that the Mariners have lost four in a row and are now i think a game and a half out of the uh, wild card after out of the third wild card spot after like you know they they had been they had been rolling pretty well but you know this month of september has not been very kind to them and it has been it has had an exclamation mark put on it with these last you know four games uh, you know most notably with a sweep against the uh, against the rangers yeah, uh, before last episode, we talked about how the Mariners were starting their 10-game span where they had the Rangers and Astros to finish up the regular season. And what I said for the Mariners is that they needed to go 6-4 and four over that span. And they've already had all four losses, and they've not won a single game. So, uh, you know, thanks to some other, other things that happened, they are actually very lucky to be in the situation they're at where they're only a game and a half out of the playoffs. So... The standards are a little lower, but I mean, they're going to have to play some really strong baseball now in the final, uh, what, five games, six games, six games. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, and the luck we're talking about is the fact that the Astros got swept by the Royals, which, yeah, is it, it was shocking. It was like it was crazy to see. And and the Roy the Royals never came back to win one. They always had like complete control of every game. <laughs> Which yeah, it, every crazy. time I check the score in like the third inning, it's like, oh, they're up again. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was nuts. Um, so yeah, the the Royals swept the Astros, but you know if the if the Astros didn't ca- come away with the win yesterday, it would be the Astros mm-hmm. that we we would be talking about, and uh, and not the Mariners because yeah, like they've you know the Astros are were kind of blowing it as well, but. You know they're they currently stand a game and a half above uh above the Mariners. I think with the Mariners particular particularly in the last four games, 
Um, it's been a lot on their starting pitching, which is not something we're used to saying. Um, their starting pitchers have allowed 3.7 home runs per nine innings, uh, which is pretty absurd. That is the uh, second highest rate of home runs uh, out of a starting staff in baseball in this short four game span. They also have the second worst ERA and second worst uh, FIP uh, in the last four games as a starting staff. So yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a pretty rough turn through the rotation. Um, and that's a lot of the reason why they're in this position right now. Yeah, no, the Mariners, uh, you know, they, like the, the Rangers took a pretty commanding lead in most of those games and the, and the Mariners made an effort to come back. I think they were down seven to two, uh, at one point on Sunday and they closed it to within, uh, like five to seven. And then like, I think the final score was nine to eight. So, you know, they, they fought their way back, but you know, ultimately they dug themselves into some tough holes early in games. Uh, and that kind of, you know, did it alternatively, the Texas Rangers, uh, you know, really impressively are on the cusp of winning this division. Their magic number is now four. Uh, and that would make them very likely the two seed in the playoffs. It would make that, it would give them a buy and it would give them, uh, one of the best, like you said on last episode, one of the best justifications for going big in the offseason that we've seen in recent memory that didn't immediately, you know, we can't say this yet, but didn't involve a didn't involve a World Series. Yeah, absolutely, and and like the Rangers potentially winning winning this division is a is a great story. I mean, the fact that you know they the, you know they've already won, uh, I think twenty more games than they did last year. Um, if I'm, if I stand corrected, I think they've won 88 games and also, you know, I mean, they were, they were not a great spot. They had lost eight in a row. Um, they had been, you know, on the verge of losing a playoff spot, I think out of, you know, out of the playoff picture entirely for, for a brief moment. And, you know, when a lot of people were doubting them, including us, they go out, they sweep, you know, they sweep the Mariners. And, you know, it, it seemed like they were sort of the odd ones out just talent wise, especially with some of the injuries they had. But they they really just as a as a as a lineup, like particularly as a lineup, they really just showed out. Do you think if the Rangers win the division that Corey Seager has earned himself one first place MVP vote from a Texas writer? <laughs> um, yeah, that, that might happen. That might happen. I think it's I think it's very possible. Yeah, I mean, it it's it it like point uh, one percent of me was scared when you said has earned himself, and I was like, no, wait, no, 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 and no, then, no, 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 and then uh, and then yeah, a first place vote from a Texas writer. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for the column, um, for the yeah. for the column about it, and you know, pre- pretending that you know the Rangers wouldn't be better with Shohei Otani than they would Corey Seager, <laughs> but you know. It, it, it'll be I'm, I'm ready for that yeah it'll be nice yeah no that's gonna be very exciting Had to see which rangers writer was assigned uh, al mvp that ended up putting it there's gonna be two of course but yeah, yeah. it's gonna be a lot of fun yeah it, see which it, one of them it is yeah it definitely it definitely will be um but uh but yeah so as it stands now rangers are two and a half up on the astros in the american league west the uh, Mariners are one and a half games back in the AL wildcard picture. I think the Blue Jays are a game up on, or maybe half a game up on the Astros uh, for the fifth seed. 
Um, if I'm not mistaken, I should look should look into that. And then yeah, obviously the the Rays are like way up on the Blue Jays. Uh, or, or yeah, the the Blue Jays are one and a half games up on the Astros. Blue Jays are in a pretty safe spot right now. Um, you know, knock on wood. Uh, at, we see how quickly everything seems to change, but you know, blue this the Astro. You know, the biggest beneficiary beneficiaries of the Astros getting swept and the Mariners getting swept happens to be the Blue Jays, and they yeah. seem like they're in a decent spot. Yeah, no, I think they're pretty safely now in one of the wild card spots. I don't know off the top of my head what their magic number is, but um, you know, I think they're. I think Blue Jays fans should be definitely a lot less stressed out now than they were last time we recorded. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, they got a series against the Yankees at home starting tonight. Um, and then they have the Rays and, you know, who knows how much the Rays will be playing for by the time the Blue Jays um, host them, because, yeah, the, the Orioles could hypothetically clinch the division by then. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of the that's kind of the status of where we are at in standings. Do we want to get into the NL at all? Um, yeah, I think there's a couple of things we can get into. The Marlins are still in it. The Reds, yikes. Uh, they blew a nine to nothing lead on Saturday and lost 13 to 12. Uh, for the Pirates, it was the bet, it was the uh, largest come from behind victory in franchise history, which that's a dead ball team. So that says a lot. Um, yeah. yeah, they did, they did salvage one game in that series against the Pirates at home on Sunday, but you got to hope for better. Uh, in that case, Joey Votto might have played his last games at Great American Ballpark as a Red. If they don't make the playoffs, they obviously are still in it, but it's it's a long way up for them now. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough, and and part part of that does have to do with the fact that the teams above them, uh, most of the teams above them, did perform pretty well. Miami, I, uh, Miami took a series against the Brewers. Um, you know, after getting pummeled 16 to one, they, yeah. they took, uh, they took two wins on Saturday and Sunday, the Cubs swept the Rockies as they should have, um, and, you know, put themselves in a spot where they're a game up on Miami and yeah. And now Arizona is in the mix of potentially falling out as they lost a series to the Yankees, you know, a, a tougher team than what the, uh, than what the Cubs were facing, but you know, they, they find themselves, you know, in a situation where they could they could potentially fall out of this. Yeah. And with the reds, like, you know, one of the things I said on why I sort of liked them as a sneaky team was their schedule, but you know, not taking advantage of it when you blow a nine, nothing lead to, uh, to Pittsburgh. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it was a brutal loss for them. And, you know, I think if they don't make the playoffs, I think a lot of people are going to point to that game as when it like truly ended. Right. It it seemed like the the real stamp. However, you know, it the, the odds of them making it was were like uh, were still relatively low at the time, but you know, it doesn't doesn't help them in in the in the least bit. And yeah, as far as outlooking what these uh NL teams have going for them, it looks like the Marlins start a series against the Mets tonight. Uh, the Cubs start a series uh, in Atlanta tonight. So, you know, and Atlanta seems to be rolling out a lot of their starters. So could be tough for for Chicago. And yeah, and then the 
Diamondbacks start a series against the White Sox tonight. So good for good for Arizona there to be able to maybe maybe bounce back in uh in the south side. So so yeah, and then we'll see what they have for the weekend. But yeah, um looks like the air the Diamondbacks have the easiest path, um at least based on just uh this week. Yeah. And yeah, I'm curious now it makes me curious as to what yeah, Marlins have Pittsburgh after after that. The Cubs have Milwaukee after this. And the D backs have Atlanta, have, right? Yeah, the D backs D backs yeah. have Houston at home. Um yep. but yeah, no Cubs have a tough path, but the Diamondbacks have a tough series against Houston. Mm-hmm. And Marlins, yeah, Marlins are facing two sub five hundred teams. So that's pretty cool. Pretty cool for them. Big for them, for sure. Yeah, because they are they are the team that is a game out of it. Um, all right. Anything anything more before we get into our uh Mark's Mark Simon discussion? No, let's get to it. This is a fun one. All right, without further ado, for the third time in above replacement radio history, here is Mark Simon. <laughs> And we are happy to be joined by the above replacement radio defensive correspondent, Mark Simon of Sports Info Solutions, uh, also one of the developers of Defensive Run Saved, uh, one of the more famous uh, sabermetric defensive stats since 2003. Um, how you doing, Mark? I'm good. Let's pump the brakes slightly, slightly, slightly on that. I didn't do anything to develop the stat. I do a lot to promote it. Uh, I do a lot to put it in a good stead. I am probably the person who writes the most about it. Um, but I do want to give credit to the people that developed it, which is the the likes of Bill James and uh, the former owners of our company and uh, people of that nature. I'm good. Yeah. How are you? By, by the <laughs> by, the fourth time you come on, maybe I'll have exactly no I, exactly your role to a T. I like it. I I like it. I just want to pump ever so slightly on it. All right. Uh, All right. That's, I was. I appreciate I, by the, the way, I was I was mentioning to Chris before you came on. This is the first time we've had you on post. Uh, the three of us all meeting in person, which was uh, <laughs> Saber Fifty in Baltimore, 2022, and since then. Uh, you've become a Sabre uh, trivia champion, so congratulations to you. Yes, uh, first time, uh, I think it was the 18th try uh, between the team and the individual competitions. Uh, I got paired with a good group uh, in this case. Uh, I can I made a nice display piece uh, that includes the award that I won. Uh, there's a picture of Bill Mazeroski. There's a picture of Maglio Ordonez. They were correct answers. Uh, Tom Glavin as well on the losing side of things. Uh, Losing his postseason pitcher of all time. Had to know who that was. Buzz, got it. No problem. Uh, and yeah, uh, trivia champ. Listen, as long as you did better than Chris and I, which the, the bar is not high there. Chris and I got absolutely <laughs> cooked in that room in 2022. But... It's a, it's the smartest group of baseball trivia people that you'll ever come across, which is why winning on the 18th try is like kind of a neat thing. <laughs> yeah, I we didn't um we didn't pre-give you this question but what would you say is your most proud correct answer of the of the entire run oh boy um so in not this year um 
when the convention was held in Pittsburgh, uh, about an hour before, I said to myself, you know what? I think they're going to ask to name the all-black lineup that started for the Pirates Mm. uh, in the early 1970s, the first time that that ever happened in a game. So I memorized it right there. And an hour later, it showed up. Uh, So that was... uh, in terms of like things where I actually knew something, boy, uh, I remember the ones that I got wrong. I know the one that I got wrong when I was in the finals and I bet it all on a daily double and I didn't get it. Uh, curse you, Al Rosen, uh, <laughs> former major league general manager, also former rookie home run hitter uh, in the uh, late 1940s who had the AL rookie home run record before Mark McGuire hit 49 in his rookie year. Um, Curse you, Al Rosen. Uh, But uh, that's made up for by, uh, by the fact that uh, I, I, I was a contributing member to a championship team. Yes. Yeah. Did you, you picked up on the, sign and you you got it right you were you were so fast you got it (laughs) yeah um yeah and we've done uh we have done as a show a single seasons draft and al rosen was picked as one of those guys in for his 1953 season where i think he had like eight wins above replacement or something oh like so that. here we here's where we go off and onto tangents um yeah he he hadn't he was a decent player like um but i don't i still don't think i should have known that in 1950 as a rookie he hit 37 home runs uh and drove in 116 yeah he does have that 53 season as you said that's i'm sure great in any computer baseball classic game or stratomatic or anything like that 43 yeah. and 145 and and he probably would have gotten a $250 million contract off of that season. <laughs> he uh, should have. Yep, he yeah. was a 10 war guy. 10 war yeah. guys, uh, a 10 war guy at age 29 would have Which been perfect was like, timing. Yeah. And nobody talks about it, but that was like insanely valued back in 1953. Uh, you know, everyone was like, <laughs> you know, all the, all the newspapers were talking about will, will Rosen reach the 10 war plateau and he did it. <laughs> Of course, it, it is. It is. Uh, he, he was he was a good. So he was also he was a GM of the like the early 80s uh, Giants teams. There was a Giants team when I was like seven, uh, the 82 Giants uh, that got to the final weekend of the season in it. And he was the guy that uh, put that team together. He um, he. Yeah, he was he he had a he had a very we were just talking about Austin Riley. He had a very Austin Riley five-ish kind of years uh from 1950 to i guess 1954 yeah yeah for sure and to be completely fair to you that 1950 season was not selected so yeah we didn't (laughs) we didn't know that we didn't know any of that um but uh but yeah so you know we mentioned you are of sports info solutions uh one of the promoters of defensive runs saved so a lot of knowledge on the defensive side of the ball which is one of the more underappreciated uh aspects of baseball you could argue um and at the top of the defensive runs safe leaderboard on the team side is the toronto blue jays um they are overwhelmingly at the top or at least they were when i uh created this question uh yep. thanks to a lot of players like dalton varsho and kevin kiermeyer um 
So what has propelled them to the top of that rank? And also part of the question is, you know, they're, I think, 11th and outs above average. So it's a big discrepancy there. So what has propelled them there and what might explain the differences? No, that That's a good question. It's one that I think I'm still wrestling with because someone else, uh, actually someone um, who covers the Rays asked me this the other day. Uh, what's propelled them is that their center field number is so far beyond any other team uh, that it's kind of ridiculous. They have 34 runs saved in center field this season. The second most is 18, and that's only because Johan Rojas has had this incredible run for the Phillies. The third most is 14. There's nobody else that's close. And I think that that just what that is is that at least within our system, we're of the belief that Kiermaier and Varsho in center field have just caught so many more balls that wouldn't have been caught by others um, that that um, combine that with their arms and with a couple of home run robberies and you uh, you get a situation where it's almost like the Blue Jays number becomes a little bit distorted. They, they still might be the best defensive team, um, but it's kind of like, would you rather have the Blue Jays who are really, 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 really good in center field and very good in left and very good at catcher? That's something that's something in terms of the outs above average uh, comp. Um, catcher's not factored into that. So catcher is, is part of the reason for that. And they're very good at third base too. So they're really good at four positions. Or would you rather have a team like the Brewers who have uh, a positive number at eight spots and only have a negative number in one spot, which is left field, which is probably by some respects, could you you can make a case that it's the least valuable uh, of them. And the Brewers are second uh, in defensive run saved. So to answer your question about the, the discrepancy, I think the catcher thing is part of it. Uh, and I think center field, We've kind of put them on this plateau. I'm I'm not gonna say that I'm gonna like I'm gonna back up our numbers. I think I think they deserve it, but they're so far beyond everybody else. It, it makes me wonder uh, a little bit if if we're capturing something either that that MLB is not or that we're over stating something maybe a little bit it's something that probably warrants further examination um regardless the blue jays are a pretty good defensive team they do have some weak spots uh but they are a, a very good defensive team not just center field uh left as well third base catcher uh for sure totally going with that Kevin kiermeyer at age 33 is still like the supreme defensive center fielder in baseball as he has been for the majority of his career uh in the 21st century he leads all center fielders and defensive runs saved with 151 uh only yep. lorenzo kane has more as over 100 i know that defensive runs saved you know the numbers only go back a few decades but like just anecdotally speaking where do you think he would rank all time if we had uh <laughs> if we had defensive runs saved like for center field specifically because i mean like he's been on a run and he's only 33 like he could keep going for sure but like anecdotally speaking how many center fielders career with volume and defensive runs saved do you think have been like better than Kevin Kiermaier because it might be top 10 all time 
Yeah, he's he's very, 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 very good. Um, can we put Willie Mays ahead of him? I guess. Yes, I, that's um, the, that's the first name that I was thinking. So, so with Willie Mays, I feel like I can qualify that because I wrote an article. Saber did a book about Willie Mays, and I did the twenty-four best defensive plays that Willie Mays made in his career as an article, where I found photos, I found articles, and it was very. I don't want to say it was simple, but I had like forty to choose from. Like the guy. It, the, the guy was cited on a regular basis for being incredible uh, in center field. So we'll start with him. Uh, Andrew Jones, certainly. Um, I think that's someone more contemporary. I think that that one is one that I think a lot of people would buy into. Then we get into, there are going to be these guys that I haven't seen <laughs> that I've just read about where it's like, you hear that they're really, really good. Like Paul Blair on those Orioles teams. Like if you ever want to... Um, have fun. You guys always want to have fun with baseball reference. I know that. Uh, if you ever want to have fun with baseball reference, look at like the defensive wars uh, and the credentials of some of those late 60s, mid to late 60s, early 70s Orioles teams where their numbers just kind of jump off the charts at you. Uh, so that would be one. Gary Maddox, who I, I guess I caught the tail end of his career. Um, I'm just looking at gold glove winners now. Devon White. Uh, would be another. Steve Finley was really good. Gary Pettis was really good. Marquise Grissom, who I saw, and I would I would vouch for that one. He was really good. There's some guys like there's a belief that that Bernie Williams may not have been as good as his four Gold Gloves, but Kiermaier's really good. We can I think we can leave it at that. And you have a question that I know is coming about guys that helped themselves free agency wise. He definitely helped himself free agency wise uh, with his defensive play this year. He would be someone that I would put near the top of the list. Yeah, no doubt. Right, right. Um, yeah, and Andrew Jones, by the way, he is. I think he's the all-time uh, outfield leader in defensive WAR. Um, I looked it up. I think when researching his Hall of Fame case. So, yeah, he's definitely someone that would probably be up there I, I, that's just me i didn't say griffey that was that, that people yeah. love ken griffey jr ken griffey jr has more the wow factor on his catches um maybe than the the like the volume of really yeah, good ones mm-hmm. yeah so it's the uh but, it's like the it's like the ellie de la cruz complex right but at the but at the same time 10 years of gold gloves like yeah i'm, I'm gonna give him so. i'm gonna give him credit for being pretty good i think the hard thing with him is is that after he got hurt as many times as he did it it faded a bit but still like kiermeyer is really good i i i think we can we can leave it at that yeah absolutely and it's been yeah it's been fun that we've been able to catch him for his whole career and also had a lot of these metrics like for most of his career uh outs above average for the last you know nine nine or eight seasons maybe, and then defensive run save for his, for his entire career. Um, I, I love, I love how his career started too. He, he played an inning in uh, the one game playoff. That was, wasn't that how it started for him in 13? Yeah, I think so. Oh, wow. Sounds about right. I know that's how McClanahan made his day. Well, same um, organization. I'm, I'm finding it right now. He played one game in 2013. It was the last game of the season. He came in. I think he it came was, in in the in the ninth inning, if I'm not mistaken. Was it against uh, Texas for think. game 163? It was one inning. Yep. Was, That's right. It was the game 163 because they played yep. Texas and they played Cleveland. I remember oh. watching it and I remember I was saying to myself, wait, it would be really funny if he caught the final out. 
Like that 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 would be pretty crazy. It's kind of like Rowdy Telez making his pitching debut. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and getting the last out to right, and getting get the last out to clinch uh, clinch a playoff spot. Jeez, you know, <laughs> come on. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so a team that you know the Blue Jays are at the top of the defensive run safe leaderboard. A team that was always routinely near the top or at or at the top was the St. Louis Cardinals from 2019 to 2022. They were top four every single year in that time frame, but now they are in the bottom 10, uh, which definitely fascinates me considering they have much of the same personnel. Um, what has kind of factored into them, you know, just defensively regressing? Yeah, that one's been, a, uh, I guess, somewhat of a puzzler uh, the whole year. Um, one aspect of that is that the Wilson Contreras uh, decision didn't go well. Um, I'm looking at I'm looking at the numbers now because I don't necessarily know a lot of this off the top of my head. But he's he's minus ten right off the bat, so that's um, that's a big problem right there. I know that early in the season that Jordan Walker um, was a problem uh, numbers wise defensively in right field. He's at negative seven. Um, they threw him into a tough spot, essentially asking him to uh, to be an everyday player uh, very early in the season. And uh, on the defensive side, if I remember right, too, there were some deep fly balls uh, that he missed that hurt his DRS a bit. Um, Edmund doesn't have the numbers that he typically that he had last year. Um, Tyler O'Neill doesn't have the numbers that he had. Um They've had a they've had just a strange season. Like Goldschmidt's numbers are fine. Um they've just had a, a weird year. I don't um oh, and then the last thing, I'm sorry, I should have said this right off the top. Nolan Arenado spent much of the season in negative territory. I didn't watch the Cardinals every day, but I did do an article about Arenado and his defensive play. And it's they said he just didn't ha- like the article basically said like he didn't have the magic that he had in previous years where he was making unbelievable play after unbelievable play. He was making a little bit more in terms of mistakes, but he didn't have the great plays to overtake those. Now, what, is there like a root cause to that? I don't know. Um, there could be, but I think you'll get a better indication of that next year to see if he you know, bounces back, uh, or if he's, uh, he's closed the year strong. I know that he's, uh, he's like plus five since the all-star break. Um, but yeah, the Cardinal thing is a mystery. I think they're the all-time team leader in DRS and they're the, definitely the all-time team leader by a wide margin in fielding Bible awards. Right. Right. Yeah. They've, uh, yeah. And it was, it's just like, it, it's really helped out their pitching staff, you know, over the past few years, they don't have really many strikeout pitchers and, mm-hmm. you know, this year with them having, you know, rolling out much like that same style of pitching staff and them not having the defense to back it up. It's definitely taken a toll. They're one, they're also one of the worst pitching teams out there right now. Yep. Yeah. they've. Had, I feel like I, I refer to this sometimes when it happens in a postseason. It kind of happened for the Mets this year, too, that the Cardinals are chasing the moment at which they led the Phillies in the ninth inning of game one of the playoffs last year. And 
they've been chasing that moment where it, where Gene Segura hit a pitch that was like a foot and a half off the plate. And ever since that moment, it's like everything that was up is down uh, and everything else goes sideways for them. And that's what's happened for them uh, this season. I got so excited that game because Andre Pallante came in to pitch to relieve for Ryan Helsley. And those of you this know, is going to be a tangent. You know, Ryan or Andre Pallante is like my favorite pitcher in all of baseball because he throws a four seam sinker and he gets a remarkable ground ball rate off of it. And he gave up like three ground ball hits in a row. And I was like, oh my God, why is this? Why is this the national stage introduction to Andre Pallante? This isn't how it was supposed to be. <laughs> That's yeah. right. This isn't this isn't how it was supposed to be, is exactly yeah. what you would say about that that series unless you're mm-hmm. seeing. Yeah, same thing happened with um Aaron Bummer in 2021. Yep. He gave up like three ground ball hits in an inning. <laughs> to be fair, yeah. that was also when the White Sox just didn't shift. Uh, yeah. yeah, when a ground but... when a ground when like the ground ball pitcher was up, and there was yeah. like lefties coming up for Houston. The guy, the guy with like the 73 percent ground ball rate, <laughs> and they're just not going to shift for him <laughs> in 2021. Um, and speaking of that shift, uh, it that has been also... a major major topic of conversation especially before the season and everyone was talking about how it's going to change things and it's changed things a little bit i mean the the numbers on uh pulled ground balls by lefties has definitely it's it's changed a lot but other than that it's not it's nothing too crazy um what teams have been you know most and least impacted by the mlb rule changes specifically with the shift yeah, so this is a really good question and i don't know that i have a great answer at the moment because you have to ask yourself kind of like how much of it is talent player talent and then how much of it is the positioning aspect of things and i think the answer for most is houston um because the astros i was just looking at this like five minutes before we started talking the astros last year in defensive runs saved got an incredible amount of value out of how much they positioned out of how they positioned their infielders uh, meaning they they got it right a lot and they did it a lot um and they got a huge chunk uh from that and then this year they quite simply haven't and bregman's been good at third but pena has not had jeremy pena has not had the same type of defensive year that he had last year at shortstop when he was really 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 good and they're they're problematic at second base they're negative 10 for the season at second base so i think the answer to that is the Astros in terms of other teams that would be the answer Houston was about as far as I got with this. Um, like the, the teams that I'm looking at, like, I don't know if the, if the, I don't think the Mets would be an answer. I, I don't. Yeah. I think the answer to this is, is Houston. And I'm not even sure there's necessarily a close second because I'm looking at the, the way that we have our stats here and the teams that are bad that rate badly in terms of shifting have good talent on their infield. Like the Orioles have a very talented infield all the way around. The Rockies have a talented infield all all the way around. That's made up for the bad positioning that they've had. So maybe Tampa, not Tampa Bay either because Tampa Bay uh, has really good numbers at short and third when Franco was playing and when Taylor Walls plays. So it's a hard question. I think the answer is the Astros. I wish I had a second and third answer. I don't at the moment. I think Houston is the answer 
first and foremost on this one. And there are teams like the Phillies could use it. I think the Phillies could use um, a, a system of more defensive shifts. But yeah, I think I would I would leave it at that. Yeah, looking at the um, at the team defensive run save leaderboards, you know, it's broken down by position, infield positioning, outfield positioning, and then total. Um, I'm sure you're you know very familiar with how the, the website goes. I appreciate but, uh, that you're looking at it. But um, but yeah, the Astros are you know they're they only have seven defensive runs saved um, from their infield positioning on shifts particularly, and they also have negative four defensive runs saved on non shifts, um, right. which is which is interesting. So like and yeah, and most most of the teams on this list are double digits in runs saved on shifts. Funnily enough, the Cardinals overwhelming lead on uh, infield positioning through shifts, which is funny because we were just talking about how bad their defense has been. Yep. But, uh, but yeah, the Astros, you know what? That's um, a sign of that's a sign of they put guys in the right place, but they they haven't necessarily made the plays. Wow. Okay, it's a it's a good discovery that we've so made it's today. A, it's a skill issue, not not on Army Ollie Marmel. Um, <laughs> anecdotally speaking, the Astros, as we record this, are half a game in the playoffs right now they basically have one foot out one foot in and it is very possible that you know if the mariners play very well uh in this coming series the astros could outright miss the playoffs you know in the middle of what we all thought coming into this year was going to be kind of a continuation of this dominant window and when you're talking about missing the playoffs by a game in a 162 game season or two games you could probably really look at you know, how they reacted to the shift ban as a major part of the reason why they lost. So if, if they miss the playoffs, is that the first thing you're looking at for what went wrong? Is it like, what else are you looking at for that? That's a really, you, you guys ask good questions. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I think, uh, what would I say here? I, I just think that I think the defense not being as good is part of the story. Um, they're good. They're very good in center. Kyle Tucker had a really strange start to the season in right field where his defensive numbers, which had been really, really good in the past. were just really poor this year. The Astros should be good. They're third in uh, the American league and runs scored. They're middle of the pack in ERA, but I guess you could make the case that the ERA would be lower if the defense had been a little better. Um, I don't know. Uh, Like one thing that surprises me that I'm looking at right now is so Justin Verlander, Verlander, when he was with Houston, the last couple of seasons with the Tommy John, obviously there, um, we have this thing where you can look at defensive run save for an individual pitcher. He was always like at the very top, but this year he's got uh, with, since he joined the Astros, there's nine, 10 starts, whatever it is, he's got more uh, hits allowed than innings pitch. That surprises me. I'm, I'm a little surprised that uh, that that's happened for him. Yeah, and it's not necessarily a, a home run problem, it seems, either. I don't think it's been, you know, it's been a lot of stuff that's within the fielder's control, although he is striking out uh, some less batters. But yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm sure his, his BABIP against is far higher than it was, you know, definitely last year. I mean, albeit he had a great season last year, but... There's definitely some some bad luck on his side. 
Christian um, Javier is the big one for them. And that's, that doesn't appear to be a defensive issue. His fit jumped by a run and a half this season. So that would be, yeah. uh, that would be on my list, even though he's, he's nine and four, but that's 16, no decisions in 29 starts. I wonder how the team went in, uh, yeah. in those starts. Let me say, uh, I mean, well, Javier... actually scratch that 20, he's 20 and they're 20 and nine scratch, yeah. delete that part of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, nobody, <laughs> At least from memory, from memory. I mean, just going off of his fifth, Chris. Chris and I have talked pretty at length about Christian Javier, but he, in in twenty twenty two, had one of the highest pop up rates in all of baseball. I think it was like fifteen percent or something like that. And this year, it's only down. It's down a couple points, and his in his uh, his fly ball rate is up a few points. And when you you know when your home field is in Houston and you have the Crawford boxes in left and a short wall in right, like. A couple, a couple, uh, you know, a couple percentage points increase in fly ball rate, like that's going to matter, and that's a large part of the reason why his FIP has gone so high up because he's allowing a lot more home runs. Right? Can I can I volunteer a defensive story or two? I just uh, just no, kind of to bring Please, up one yes. or two other things. Um, yeah. So I mentioned the Brewers before. The Brewers are second. Brewers have the, as I said, the eight uh, positions where they've. Uh, nailed it uh had a positive run save total uh, there is a team that has nine positions uh with a positive run save total and i think this is a part of their story in 2023 uh and that would be arizona uh the diamondbacks are positive defensive run saves at every spot uh defensive run save really likes gabriel moreno uh it really likes lourdes guriel and everything else it likes a little bit uh whether it's uh their center field combination or corbin carroll or um whoever uh they're like a little bit over at just about every other spot so that would be um that would be one the other uh i feel we have to at least acknowledge it even though um it sometimes it bothers me a little bit, but Fernando Tatis in right field um, is the runaway leader in defensive run save by like miles and miles and miles and miles. He's at 28. The next closest guy is at 10. Um, and then the other thing that I like acknowledging, you mentioned center field before, and I brought up uh, Johan Rojas. There's Johan Rojas and Brenton Doyle in center field. And then at catcher, you have um, Moreno. Uh, you have Patrick Bailey of the Giants, who in the very beginning like his first 50 games he was ridiculous uh he's he's cooled off a little bit but you've got those two guys um as kind of a new generation of catchers francisco alvarez has been a very good pitch framer this year in fact by our measures i believe yep he is the leading pitch framer uh in the majors i know other sites might say it's it's patrick bailey but it's kind of cool to see all these new guys between uh the three catchers and the couple of center fielders uh making uh making nice runs at it uh this year so those are a couple other things to bring up i uh, yeah no that's interesting i uh, you mentioned the diamondbacks and like christian walker is at first base and one of the best defensive first basemen in baseball uh and you mentioned that they're the, the only team that has positive defensive runs saved at every position uh, there are a lot of teams that like lose that at first base because it is kind of the very i think it's like one of the harder positions to accumulate defensive run saved as or at least you know defensive stats on fan graphs mm -hmm. you know who's number one at first base this year it's carlos santana of the i'm Pirates. looking at it right now he's at it's 10 crazy. Walker's at nine 
Now, it, what what I think is a worthwhile exercise, and I did this because I wanted to. I wound up writing about it. Was um, like I looked at, and I figured that maybe there was going to be something with like his top plays where there was we had distorted something or something was off. But no, like he's made really good plays this year. Um, I I I think he's he's. He he might win the Fielding Bible Award. He might not. Um, that'll be that'll be that might be our most interesting vote because it's like how do you how do you ha handle a situation where you have a player who has the perception of Christian Walker? I think there is a perception that he's good, and there is a long-standing perception. There's a lot of body of work on Carlos Santana where you don't necessarily think he's awful, but you're not you're not going to think of him as being like a Goldschmidt or christian walker or something like that so i don't know but uh at least from what i saw from the plays it seemed like um like the numbers had him in a good place interesting yeah it's very interesting we know him as the uh as the walk machine but not necessarily for uh not necessarily for defense carlos we, we, when we think of carlos santana's defense i'm thinking about him as a catcher way back in the day yeah yeah who could forget <laughs> who could forget those numbers um, aren't good. I know that. No, but hey, listen, when you got a catcher that transitioned to first base, like that's that's a catcher forever in my heart. Yep. Like Mike Napoli, catcher. Joe Maurer, well, obviously Joe Maurer's a catcher, but catcher. But it would be, be really funny if you asked like 20 people, who's the better defense? Uh, oh, yeah. The better defensive first baseman, Carlos Santana or Freddie Freeman, 2023 only. Um, <laughs> off Offhand, what would you say? Like, Who's the guy with plus 10 and who's the guy at, I think he was at negative, uh, he's at negative eight. I don't know how Freddie Freeman's at negative eight, but he is. Um, that's atypical for him. But there's no way you would think that Freddie Freeman was the negative eight guy and Carlos Santana was the plus 10 guy. Yeah, no, that's... Yeah. But as Bill trying. James said, stats are, are supposed to surprise you every so often. And those two. Yep. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of what this show is about, is we try to... <laughs> Try That's, to highlight the guys are... who are not being highlighted enough, and and the uh, and maybe talk like, hey, let's hold, let's pump the brakes on some of these guys. Um, yeah. I know so... you. Uh, that, those Go are ahead, words Dave. to live by. Yeah, I put a question in the doc. Uh, I don't know if it was sent to you, but I know you kind of just anecdoted a lot on this. But if you had to pick one team very specifically, uh, which team that is in the playoffs, going to be in the playoffs, still in the picture, and reason you know there's reason to believe they'll be in it uh we'll have defense as its biggest x factor in the playoffs oh love that um that's like, a really good one de defense shows up watch out for this team if they don't it's gonna be a train wreck um boy i think well i think the dodgers are gonna need it um, because who the heck knows who's going to pitch for them throughout this thing. Uh, I think the Twins are going to need it because they're going to need something extraordinary to happen to beat any other team that they're going to play. <laughs> yes. Um, they, they are, like, if the Twins won the World Series, the only more surprising thing would be if the sixth seed in the NL uh, won it. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think the Twins, the Rays D should be good. The Orioles D, I think, should be good. Um, like the Brewers D should be really good. The Brewers are going to need it if they're going to wind up going yeah. anywhere uh, in the postseason. Atlanta, like, 
like Olsen has been really good uh, in the past. Michael Harris has a really good year last year. Um, Acuna is interesting <laughs> sometimes in right field. Um, great arm. Um, maybe the answer is them. Like maybe that's that's the answer here. But that that almost feels like a cop out. I'll I'll give you another though. Like the Phillies could be a lot like the Phillies rank what 26 27 in defensive runs saved but real Muto's better than his numbers Whatever. showed Bryce Bryson Stott's been really good Trey Turner is probably better than his numbers showed Brandon Marsh is really good uh when he's out there Rojas is terrific they're gonna play Edmundo Sosa at the end of games um they have a chance to put a better defensive team out there at the end of games if they can get the lead at the beginning of games um uh, that maybe maybe they're the answer to this question. Yeah, like last any year. if they if they got Schwarber DHing that that defense is like already ten times better as it is. Yeah, and and, uh, and JT Real Muto, JT Real Muto, his his years definitely surprised me. Like I don't know if it's been part of the partially like rule changes and you know pitchers not being able to pick off, but I know his caught stealing rate is is far below what it normally is. Yeah, I I don't necessarily it, that would strike me as the most likely reason for it is that it it you know he he doesn't have that advantage anymore and it dropped for everybody um and he kind of took it on the chin. The other thing is that he's getting older. He's 32 uh, and he's still catching significant numbers of uh innings and in the last 2 years he caught 134 and 139 he played 134 and 139 games, caught uh 130 last year. And caught a hundred. He's at a. He's gonna get a hundred thirty this year. Yeah, uh, I think I think that might just be that he's getting older and that he had an extraordinary season last year. Right. Yeah. On a, on all fronts too. He like, I think he was at one point like seventeen for seventeen in stolen bases before the rule changes. Like you know, as a base runner, it was it was wild to see what he was doing last year. Um, regarding uh, regarding you know, I think we mentioned. Kiermaier is one of these players, um, you know, players heading into free agency, because obviously, you know, uh, player value is, you know, we, we, we get to see a lot of how teams value players based in the off season. So we're wondering which, you know, uh, 2023 to 24 free agents have dramatically, or just in general, improved their, you know, free agent value this off season. There's one. Matt Chapman is another. He showed that he's still got it. Uh, he's among the leaders in third base defensive run saved. He's not at the top. He's not at his peak, uh, but he's still got it to an extent. I studied before <laughs> before, before I talked to you on this one. Uh, the other name that I thought was interesting for defense uh, was a player who helped himself is Jason Hayward. Um, Hayward's had a much better year at the plate for the Dodgers and he's had a good year when he's played right field. They have set him up for success in a good way. They, they only play him pretty much against right-handed pitching and they play him in right field uh, a pretty decent amount. He has looked something reasonably close to his prime self doing that. Uh, so I think that he is someone at 33, like if he had had another year, like he had last year or, or such, he's, you know, he's looking for a minor league deal. He's, 
he's barely out there, but now he'll get something uh, because he's coming off of, he's shown that he can do something. The other thing I'll, I'll give you is Mark Canna um, had previously shown himself in past seasons to be um, butchery in left field a bit, uh, particularly weak with the arm. His numbers are actually a, somewhat of a positive this year. So he's another one where I think the fact that his defense is in a negative necessarily uh or a big negative that you can put him in left field if you need to uh i think that would be uh another one he's had this great finish to the season too right and uh to kind of point out the history of this question we i mean we've only asked it <laughs> once but um it's it's gone in the it's gone in the correct direction um two that i remember were uh jace peters we asked this question last year it was jace peterson uh he went out he got a two-year nine and a half million dollar contract as a guy who's who's kind of like a utility guy. He's not supposed to really get uh, much money. And then the other one was Xander Bogarts, who got $280 million from the Padres. And like, yeah, I mean, he was, that would have been a risk, you know, after 20, after 2021, uh, he was kind of a defensive negative, or at least as a shortstop compared to other shortstops. And then, yeah, became a, you know, one of the more reliable defensive shortstops as we've seen over the past couple of years and got $280 million because of it and probably wouldn't have gotten it if not for the uh, improvement in defense. Yeah, I, I, I think it's fair to say that, 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 that did help him last year. I would agree with, I would agree with that statement. Yeah. I think, I think it's part of why, honestly, the Red Sox were hesitant to extend him um, before or around the time 2022 is coming around. Um, Cause yeah, it just, he was coming off like a four, four win season wins above replacement wise. And part of that was because of, uh, because of defense, but yeah, that is a that is a that is another tangent to go down, um, and uh, and yeah, as far as yeah, so I think that those are most of the defense questions we have. Maybe maybe we'll get back into one, but one that you know one one question one story we've it's been prefaced <laughs> before. It is about the great Howard M. Key. Uh, how are we going to have a Mark segment, uh, Mark Simon segment? Uh, without talking some, you know, old school baseball, you know, pre TV, pre even maybe radio baseball. Um, so, you know, we're talking about Howard M. Key. He started a World Series game. Am I, am I correct? Yeah. So the the genesis of this, if I'm not mistaken, is was it last year that I came on with you guys and we did some history stuff. And it appears that on July 14th, 2022, I sent you an email that said, I never got to talk about Howard Emke, inventor of the tarp, 1929 World Series hero. Um, that might have had uh, something to do with the fact that we spent the last podcast talking about Roger Peckinpah. Um, but yes, it's always good <laughs> to remember yeah, your past, we other, right? We, we, had, we had other priorities that day. Yeah, so Howard Emke. <laughs> so here, here's the thing that's cool. Like, there's this story uh, about how in 1929 he was like this secondary kind of pitcher. Uh, he was older. His career, his he had a lot of things going on in his career before that. Among them, uh, he and Ty Cobb were pretty bitter enemies, and he he hit Cobb, and they fought, and there's all sorts of stuff there. But in 1929, the, he was on the Philadelphia A's, who had all these great pitchers, Lefty Grove, Grove and Rube Wahlberg and George Earnshaw. And we would have had the debate on talk radio, or podcasts in this case, about who should start game one. 
But instead, the yeah. Philadelphia A's and Connie Mack started Howard Emke, who apparently had scouted the Cubs in a three-game series August 22nd to 24th. And I guess if you were looking for like a modern-day equivalent of that, it would be like something like this Chris Paddock uh, for the Twins uh, saying, hey, uh, I might be coming back at the very end of September, and I might get to ch a chance to pitch in postseason. So why don't I go watch the... Orioles and the Rays and the whoever's and sit in the stands and scout them. Did you hear that Chris Paddock like is coming back? I was like shocked by that. Um, is he? Yeah, I, I think it, it was on. So yeah, it's 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 it was on uh, MLB trade rumors that um, that he was being activated. Uh, like I guess he's been in the in the minor leagues, and I should know this maybe a little bit better than I do. But he was out; he had missed time because of Tommy John. He missed the entire season. He made five starts uh, last year, but they've called him up uh, after he had pitched like three times in the minor leagues, uh, and. And now he's up with the big club. But anyway, uh, Connie Mack said we'll go with Howard Emke, who was like uh, he he was a, a journeyman pitcher at that point. And he pitched this incredible World Series game, a complete game, 13 strikeouts, twice each. Hornsby, Hack Wilson, Kai Kai Kyler, like amazing that uh that this happened definitely up there with 1925 and the ending of game seven uh as one of the more remarkable world series baseball things that nobody of this era thinks about <laughs> or knows about or you know necessarily cares about gregory wolf uh saber bio project well done a lot of good stuff in there highly recommend it uh howard emke uh and the other things with him invented uh founded a company that produced the first tarp and that could be put on a field threw a no hitter and nearly had a second straight uh right after that uh and he would have been johnny vandermeer before johnny vandermeer alas <laughs> Yeah, I'm, yeah, it's, it's 13 it's, strikeouts in a World Series game in 1929. That's got to be that had to have been like a record at the time, right? It was. Yep. It I'm was. looking it up. I'm going on Stathead right now. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm you want to know the top the top World Series <laughs> yeah. strikeout games of the 1920s? Of <laughs> the 1920s, yeah. I think I think I first heard of or I first saw MK's name because you know. uh Daniel and I did a baseball history series from like 2020 to 2021. And one of the episodes was on Lefty Grove and it's like Lefty Grove. Yeah. 19, 1929. I just saw it now. Like he had a sub three ERA and one of the most offensive years ever. Like, yeah, obviously you're going to, that's your, that's your game one guy, but he was, not, I think he didn't start to like game three or something like that. And you got Howard Emke who threw 40 or uh, 54 innings that year as a 35 year old and they're throwing him out there, but it worked, it, you know, I guess I guess it was the analytics of the time, you know. And they, the, the kicker out. of it is the next year he made three appearances, ten innings, twenty-two hits, thirteen <laughs> runs, done. Completely. <laughs> Career over. Yeah. Beat beat the buzzer, I guess. He he Did beat the he, he beat <laughs> the buzzer. Uh literally. Nineteen thirty. Career record one sixty-six and one sixty-six. He was even Steven. Uh he uh in the late nineteen twenties, he began representing a Detroit-based firm that manufactured tarps that covered football fields. In nineteen twenty-nine, he opened his own business, Empty Manufacturing, and built a canvas tarpaulin that covered the baseball infield. Yeah, Man, that, that is, is 
That that's big. Hey, that it's that you want to talk about stuff that stood the test of time. It really has. Like, <laughs> he, he, he it's totally Bordeaux, it's been a hundred years. That tarp still exists. You, you go to a game. There's a rain delay. You guess guess what you're seeing? His he he was a World <laughs> Series hero and a baseball. Uh, what would you call it? You wouldn't call it equipment. Um, yeah. maintenance. A baseball maintenance legend. Uh, yeah. So we'll see what Chris Paddock has to invent years from now. <laughs> after after he takes down the Blue Jays lineup. <laughs> In game one of the uh, American League wildcard series, I'm, uh, um, I'm looking at this right now. So Howard Emke had yeah 13 strikeouts in that game one. The only two pitchers, or sorry, uh, three pitchers had had 12 in a game before that. It was Walter Johnson. I don't know if you've heard of him. He was I think pretty good, uh, but he he did it in 12 innings pitched. Uh, Bill Donovan from the Detroit Tigers in 1907, who had 12, who also had a 12 inning start. And then Ed Walsh, who is like maybe the best White Sox pitcher of all time, who had, uh, nine, nine innings pitched, two hits, no runs, one walk, 12 strikeouts, a masterful performance in 1906. Yeah, it was quite, quite the, uh, quite the accomplishment from the 35 year old, uh, 35 year old right-handed pitcher. And I believe... Um, yeah, I mean, all those guys you mentioned, I think were dead ball era. So like, this is, this was like the first time in the live ball era. Technically, Walter Johnson did it in 1924. Oh, right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So not quite, unfortunately, but yeah, I mean, he, he, I mean, listen, when you think of Walter Johnson's peak, you probably go to the dead ball era before you go to the live ball era. So that's all right. So, so MLB trade rumor says it's certainly plausible that Paddock could provide Minnesota with rotation depth or a piggyback starter in the playoffs. Should the club wind up in a pinch at some point, he's kind of like, I guess the, the 2023 version of K-Rod sort of go go the the angels 20 years ago. Yeah. 2010. By the way, if, if you Google Chris Paddock, um, one of the images that comes up immediately is him holding a very large fish. I, I honestly, I believe it. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, there it is. My goodness. Oh, you said you said a large fish. I was not ready yes. for that. That is enormous. <laughs> That's got to weigh at least a hundred pounds minimum. Chris I don't know, Paddock. Maybe... Maybe, maybe, maybe it's the angle. Like maybe, you know, maybe he, he took the picture the right way, but that thing looks enormous. Yep. Legendary fisherman. Yeah. Potential Chris, postseason Chris, legend. Can you, uh, I'm going for it. Can you screen share here? Cause the people <laughs> yeah. need to see this. Um, from, from my perspective, this seems like a trick of angles. That's what I'm thinking as well. I think, he, um, yeah. you think the fact that it's such a close up? is uh yeah is the deal here? like the iphones these days there's you know you can do some tricks with them right i haven't shared screen in such a long time <laughs> <laughs> okay there it is there's the button um that yeah. is a very large fish I our mean, yeah. would be proud props to him this is bigger than any fish i've caught in like the two times i've ever fished but yeah. um it, but yeah i mean for him, maybe his forearms are insanely strong, but you know, it, which is possible. He's a Listen, he's a big man, guy. I, is well, it possible it probably, that they rip the fish's guts out and then it's lighter? This was 
you know, this was posted September 3rd, so, like, yep. only a few weeks ago. So, like, that UCL has got to be fine now, right? Yeah, I think this was all part <laughs> like, of the if you're reeling, Like, if you're reeling that thing in, and I'm assuming you're probably using your, your dominant elbow in some way, like, that UCL has got to be all right to yeah. pitch. I think I think this was all part of the recovery process. I think it's, like, in your program, you have, like, your weighted balls, you have your... Mm. You're, you have your fishing. It's like minimum like ten pound fish. I think it's when I was uh, when I when I uh, interned for the Cape League, I interviewed a kid who uh, is was like coming back from Tommy John surgery, and he talked about the recovery process. I should have asked him if he went fishing. <laughs> so if the twin if the fish. twins are gonna do anything in the postseason, they need something extraordinary to happen. Yeah, they need. Yeah, listen, I mean. You you think of the twins in the postseason, right? Everyone's gonna go to the eighteen game losing streak. Like they need something to to just break yeah. that curse, right? You you need something out of the box, <laughs> and and Chris Paddock. Yeah, say out of the tackle box, I guess you could say. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> that was awful. Props to him. Good for him yeah. that he made it all the way back. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so yeah, save Gray, Lopez, Ryan for games three, you know, two and th- two, three, four, <laughs> bullpen. Um, but yeah, I think uh yeah, I think that's anything 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 more to get anyone yeah, hold, real quick. Now, I, I wanted to piece. I wanted to ask something. So this Go wasn't ahead. in my notes, but uh you know, obviously we have the question that we asked to all of our guests, but we've already asked it to you. So, you know, what are you gonna do? Say Keith Hernandez again for the Oh, that's oh, the, the, the other era question. Yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, Statcast okay. era. Anyway, uh I believe last year you correctly predicted uh the final out of the World Series. <laughs> Right, fly ball to right field foul territory. We're due. That was the tweet. Yeah, I think, so... I think in the ninth inning, I, I I sent out a tweet that said, "We're due, fly ball to right field." <laughs> so, all right. So, twenty twenty three, we don't know who's playing. We don't know yep. what the last game will be. If it'll be game four, game seven, but you know something clearly. So, what? How is this series? <laughs> well, I'm trying to think of what you know, hasn't you know, happened. You're saying you're saying this. Uh, I'm asking you this as someone who won't know what closers on the mound, you who won't know what batters at the plate, their tendencies, what to expect, how good the defense is. But what what do we got this year? I got to know where. How about like? All right, so you got to think in terms of what hasn't happened to end a World Series because that was the reason that I had said fly ball right yeah. field was because it hadn't happened in. A very long time. Um, what hasn't happened? I'm I'm going through them in my head as we've discussed. This is an area of ridiculous expertise. Um, like, would it be like a six U or something like that, where maybe there were guys on first and second, and there was a ground ball of short, and the shortstop just reached for it and then tagged the guy trying to go to third. Like that would be something that would be. I don't know if that's unprecedented. You have that. The one also that's funny is there was a double play one year in one of like, I don't remember. I don't think we talked about maybe that's next year's topic, but like, wasn't there a double play that was like something to three to five in a world series in like 1921 or some, some obscure, another one of these, Roger Peckinpah, yeah. Howard Hemke, uh kind of things. I'm actually trying to stall here and look it up yeah. as we speak. Um, but uh it like 
I think something like that. A 6U would be kind of goofy. The one from the 1921 World Series. So this is crazy. one nothing game. Ninth inning, man on first, one out, home run, Baker up, ground ball to second. They throw the guy out at first, Baker's out. The runner on first was Aaron Ward, and Aaron Ward got aggressive and tried to go to third base, and the oh. first baseman threw to third base, and they tagged him out. That would be High Pockets Kelly to Frank Frisch, Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer. Uh, Frankie Frisch applied the tag. And the Giants had defeated the Yankees in the World Series. First so of all, I'll say six U or something of that nature. All right. First of all, shout out to Frankie Frisch for being on my immaculate grid today. <laughs> uh, it, you, when you think in Cardinals 100 RBI season, you got to go to Frankie Frisch. Um, secondly, more immaculate grid stuff. Uh, home run Baker. So, so if you look at all of the like offensive stat categories that show up on the immaculate grid, right? You got, uh, you got. 300 batting, 300 batting average season. You got 40 runs, 100 RBI, 30 stolen bases. Guess which one of those home run Baker doesn't qualify for? Oh, the 100 home runs. Yeah, well, 100 oh, home yeah, runs look, tough. 40, yeah, 40 I'm home runs. At it. 40 <laughs> home runs. <laughs> yeah. Very, very yep. ironic because, I mean, for a guy, like, I get it. You know, home runs were not very, very prevalent in the era that they decided to nickname a guy home run. But, you know, I... When you're thinking, you know, in A's milestones for the Immaculate Grid, yep. Home Run Baker works unless it's home run. <laughs> Frankie Frisch, a 0.1% score uh, yep. in your Immaculate Grids today. Um, by yes. the way, I should acknowledge I like the idea of Immaculate Grid. I respect those people who play it regularly, as I'm sure that both of you do. I get very frustrated by it because I am not good <laughs> at the Brewer-Oriole team combinations or the <laughs> Kansas City-Philadelphia uh, team combinations or anything that involves a team combination. I like the statistical ones, uh, but when I see a lot of team combinations, I just don't play. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a personal weakness. It's personal struggle. I am trying to remedy such things, but uh, it doesn't come easily. Uh, you'll learn as you get older. Yeah. Kansas City and Colorado are the, are the killers in Arizona. Yeah, I, they they are the yeah. killers for sure. Anytime. Um, yeah. Chris and I, Chris and I will like always like kind of scoff at a grid where like, it's not, you can't put a guy from the dead ball era. <laughs> where it's like, you know, it's like, oh, it's the, you know, it's the Phillies and the Dodgers, but it's silver slugger. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? Yeah. I can't put it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, what's in the Chuck Klein didn't win a silver slugger. Yeah. I like, can't, can't go there. Um, I, I appreciate the fact that I introduced you to the Immaculate Grid. Like, that's honestly one of my biggest honors because I texted you because Chris and I were playing it one day and I was like, oh my God, imagine Mark Simon's answers. <laughs> and I texted you and I was like, are you familiar with the Immaculate Grid? And I was, and you were like, no. And I was like, this, this is for you. It is very much for me. It also isn't very much for me and with regards to, to the way that, that like my brain works. And I hope that the you know come October they get creative, they have a category for last outs of the World Series or goofy obscure World Series heroes, because as we've seen that is a special twenty for all fifteen defensive run saved season. If if there was fifteen <laughs> defensive run saved season. They should do that. That would be that would be we yeah. would we would sign on for that. Absolutely. I did think when Sports Reference bought it that they would include like OPS season, OPS plus, like war, 
I thought they would. You might see that out. eventually. They could have like. I feel like they... I feel like they don't want to weed out the the people that don't know because like I exactly. want. I think they're just like you know what everyone plays this like it's casuals it's diehards like let's keep it to the stuff that everyone knows but it would be fun maybe even just like to have a bonus grid where it's like hey yep. guy who had a three eighty OBP season let's see it and it has to be a qualifying season it can't be like. <laughs> you know because like for 300 average for 300 average season like for like i one there was one day where it was like rocky's 300 average and uh ubaldo jimenez happened to have gone one for three one season or like the other day it was uh angels 300 career batting average and i put levon soto who hit 400 (laughs) in like 22 games last year and you got 0.001 probably for that something like that yeah I was yep. very, I was very proud because I like the only people that were coming to mind were Trout and Carew, and I was like, I don't want to put those guys. Like it's there's I a good one for Diamondbacks for that that we can allow the the listeners to be let in on is that if you're in need ever of a Diamondbacks uh 300 hitter or thousand OPS guy, uh, Micah Owings is a very good choice for that. Also, yeah. a, also a silver slugger. All. <laughs> we had like yeah. uh, I can't again I can't take credit for this when I worked at ESPN one of the more memorable things that I think we ran maybe 30 or 40 at bats into Mike Owings career the guy who now is the VP that oversees the d- department that I worked in uh, had a graphic of highest OPS all time <laughs> minimum 40 at bats and it was like all these legends and Micah Owings and it was hilarious and I think they put it on Sports Center, and everyone got to laugh at it and it's fun yep Chris can you uh, explain the way that we play the Immaculate Grid because we have a very unique system that like very mm-hmm. much is different from anyone yeah well so we have we have a it's a four person game it's the it's uh us and two of our friends that we've had we've had on for um all of our uh, draft episodes shout out to nico facel and rob dickey but um daniel came up with the idea and it's been a great idea i think everyone everyone is enjoying it but um you get it's a point system so you get plus one for every correct guess uh plus three if you go nine for nine on the grid and then plus one for each square that isn't matching someone else's square in that particular oh. thing. So, oh, okay. so uh, the, the most you can get, the most points you can get is 21. And um, if you don't get a perfect game and you, and the winners are tied, the tiebreaker is rarity score. So whoever has the low, lower rarity score among the two will win. And uh, we've done it month by month except we started in like mid-june so we counted june july as like one month and daniel has overwhelmingly won every single month uh thus far <laughs> unless someone wins out uh september but he's up by six which is crazy that's it's, funny that's a clever so, way to play it's funny because like i will play the grid and i'll be like oh this is a good answer oh chris is absolutely gonna take that guy there's no way and it's like a guy that's like 0.01 percent I appreciate that you guys keep that you're keeping standings in the, at that level yeah. of detail that you've kept them yeah. every day. You know that they've they've added this thing now where like you can see what your score was on a particular day. Yeah. Uh, oh wow. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. Just, that's um, very new. That's that's hot off the presses. New, I think. We've we've overlapped on a Paul Weiner team combination <laughs> twice. Uh, <laughs> both were like below 02 percent, which uh, yeah. So I guess we're proud of ourselves for that um yeah but uh but yeah i'm more of a i'm more of a i don't know if you guys have ever tried it but i'm more of a new york times connections kind of person if you've seen that game interesting i've not it's um it's basically like you like screenshot a couple like 
or, or send or like I think I feel like I've seen you tweet out something related to that or no. I don't uh, maybe, I don't think that was me. Maybe I'm thinking but, of someone else. But it's um it's a game where like you have words and phrases and you have to find the ones that go to get like the common bond. It's it's essentially if you were playing Jeopardy and the category was common bonds and they gave you three uh things and you buzzed in and said, you know, um types of uh clothing or uh types of baseball equipment or whatever but the way that they do it is there are certain words that kind of overlap and that could fall into a couple of different possibilities so you have to really think it out as to which combos of four uh go together uh to make it work it's i like it it's uh it it plays better to my strengths than trying to figure out uh, who played on the Rockies and the Royals uh, <laughs> at some point in their baseball careers. Yeah. You uh, you actually helped me with a pick one day because it, the day that I sent it to you, one of the combinations was like Mets Diamondbacks. And you're like, yeah, I, I put Nelson Figueroa. Oh. Mets Diamondbacks. <laughs> <laughs> and and well, wouldn't you know it, like three weeks later, the same combination came up. Yep. And I, I only could think of like Max Serger for Matt Mets Diamondbacks. And right. I was like I was like, who did Mark Simon put? I'm pretty sure he put Figueroa, right? So I I'd one percent probably. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah, it was it was a killer. No overlaps there. And no one else no one else in the group <laughs> thought of that one. <laughs> you, and nice. me, you and me, Mark. There but, was uh, there I, there was one uh, I'll close on this. There was one that I played the other day. I'm trying to find where it was. Um uh let's see what was it It wasn't kid um yeah maybe it was this one that i put kid nichols uh as a 300 win pitcher for the braves oh oh that's okay yeah that's what it was for the so there was a mets column in this it was giants mets braves mets phillies mets Giants Mets, I put Charlie Williams, who was the guy that was traded for Willie Mays. Braves Mets, I put Felix Mantilla, who was on the 1962 Mets and had been drafted off of the Braves, if I'm not mistaken. And then Phillies Mets, I wanted to see just how low I could score on this. And I'm convinced if someone else put this, it's a rigged game. But I put <laughs> Max Scarce. Max Scarce pitched to one batter in Mets history. He gave up a walk-off hit as his only batter faced in his entire time with the Mets. And uh, he had previously pitched for uh, the Phillies, as a matter of fact, and he was a Met-Philly combo. He needed me 0.1%. I'm mad that it wasn't 0.01. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Who else had that? There's no shot. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I think we've we've hit on everything here. We've hit on defense. you know, early pre-TV baseball, uh, the Immaculate Grid, the last out of the World Series. I think we, I think we got everything. Yeah, we got everything there. We got bingo here. Yeah, I think, I think, I don't think we have anything left on the table. That's good. Yeah, yeah. No Howard Emkes next time around. <laughs> we'll we'll come up with a different twenties uh, and thirties MLB. Yeah, we'll picture. have to we'll have to uh, figure something out. Branch out to the nineteen teens, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, we got to go back a step. I, I'm totally up and, for it. And end of the dead ball era. So, so yeah. So, um, go make sure to first of all check out the Fielding Bible on uh on the website. I think it uh, fieldingbible.com. I believe it's fieldingbible.com is correct. It is uh in the process of uh I guess a little scoopage here. Uh, it's in the process of going to be looking a little nicer in the near future. So we're looking forward to that. Mm. 
yeah well love to see that love to see a a nice uh not rebrand but um you know a new look new look website um also follow at sports info underscore sis and at mark a simon says on twitter um get a lot of good information about uh, you know the defensive happenings of major league baseball um yeah so thank you for coming on mark and uh we will love having you back on again all right uh good good stuff guys uh talk to you down the road thanks mark another wonderful conversation with mark simon you never know what direction it's going to go in but it's going to be it's going to be positive and it's going to be fun to talk to him so really happy that he came on once again um and also just answered our general questions about the uh, defensive landscape because yeah that's that's what we would agree is the hardest thing to analyze in baseball because it seems like there's the least amount of information but he's he seems to have a lot of it over at sports info solutions so um glad to glad to talk to him about that stuff yeah for sure no a lot of fun shout out to mark once again for for coming on yeah absolutely and uh with that we will go into our uh players to highlight starting with the good with our tuesday september 26 2023 edition of how about that he's striking out less walking more and he's also making better contact turning into a strikeout machine just out of nowhere he's been excellent all around this year he is getting a how about that so for my how about that today this one is a long time coming uh you know he this guy's been fighting for a spot on how about that for about two years now and he's finally getting it i am talking about tj friedel from the cincinnati reds uh, you know, he, he, he's taken a lot of convincing, but I'm finally giving in today. Since September 3rd, he is slashing 373, 479, 797 for a 12, uh, 76 OPS, a 225 weighted runs created plus, and 1.5 F4. Uh, he ranks fifth in batting average, third in OBP, second in slugging, second in weighted runs created plus, and third in F4. So essentially, he's been a top five offensive player in the month of September. Uh, he, he also has a, a walk-to-strikeout ratio of a flat one. He's done both equally, and that is uh, tied for 15th in the majors. Before this span, his sweet spot rate was 33%, and in this span, it is up to 40%. And also before the season or before the span, his heart hit rate was 26%, and in this span, it is up to 36%. It is a 10% increase. And also during the span, uh, TJ Friedel has pulled 52% of all of his batted balls. That is the ninth highest rate among the 108 hitters with at least 50 batted balls. And when he pulls the ball in the span, he is hitting 538 and slugging 1308. That average uh, ranks sixth, and his slugging ranks second only to Juan Soto. Uh, and also in this span, he is hitting 438 and slugging 844 against fastballs, cutters, sinkers, and four-seamers. That average ranks fifth, and slugging ranks fourth among the 143 hitters with at least 25 batted balls in this span. And also for this season as a whole, he has 82nd percentile batter run value, 98th percentile base running run value, and 86th percentile fielding run value. So TJ Friedel has been a very complete player the whole season, and we've been seeing a lot more from him offensively in the last month. Yeah, TJ Friedel. How about that? Yeah, when when uh for context, when last year in September, yeah, last September, 
we had one team left for how about that one team to check off the list i think it was i think it was no yeah it was last year you're right it was the uh it was the reds and tj friedel like you know when when we do the research for the how about that we we usually look at like a two to three week sample to just start off and like see like okay who's leading in f4 who's leading in weighted runs created plus in this span and tj friedel was like at the top of the list for like a week and a half two weeks but the problem was was it was purely luck based he had like a very below average average exit velocity he had like a 520 babip in the in the in the sample uh he was getting a lot of like ground ball hits and it didn't seem right to highlight him because we knew that it was a lot of luck based but it seems in this sample that is not the case uh i did see uh, i was doing research earlier and like he was hitting some home runs which you know is unusual but but yeah good yeah good stuff there with uh with tj friedel like he is kind of the embodiment of the new look like athletic reds we've known yeah. that reds is like a very power centric team but this is you know a very athletic team right now with uh you know the young talent you know you mentioned the base running value and the fielding value there like that that is a that's an athletic team and tj friedel does uh does embody that for sure um my how about that is a repeat from last year um and i think with this how about that i think i can declare him off eligibility uh from how about that uh until further notice because he's a he's a really good pitcher and you know i think even if he was on a higher profile team we probably wouldn't have to highlight him here but he's been just casually just churning through hitters and i'm talking about Tark scubel of the Detroit Tigers this year uh he debuted on, on July 4th I believe it was a flexor 10 it was it was uh some sort of surgery on his flexor tendon or something something of that nature regarding the elbow it wasn't Tommy John but it was a major uh major surgery but uh in his last seven starts Tark Scooble has a 2.05 ERA 2.19 FIP in 44 innings pitched and out of 57 qualifying pitchers in the span Tark Skubal's ERA ranks third and his FIP ranks first also out of 107 pitchers with 500 with 500 plus pitches thrown in the span his expected batting average is the lowest by 10 points expected slugging is the lowest by 32 points and expected Woba is the lowest by 29 points he is overwhelmingly the best pitcher by expected metrics and uh, a lot of this has had to do with him uh you know finishing batters off uh more effectively his strikeout rate has gone from 28 percent before the span to 35 percent in the span and out of 57 qualifying pitchers in the span uh Tarek Skubal's strikeout rate and strikeout minus walk rate both rank second behind uh Freddie Peralta who was a previous how about that um on for this season and his a lot of that has had to do with him getting more swings and misses Tark Skubal's whiff rate has gone from 26 percent to 35 percent in his last seven starts and out of 91 pitchers with 250 plus swings against them in the span his whiff rate is the second highest and particularly on his changeup, he is getting swing and miss after swing and miss his whiff rate on his changeup has gone from 38% to 56% in this span. 
And out of 58 pitchers with 50 plus swings against changeups in the span, his whiff rate on his changeup is the highest. And, you know, him using the changeup, he, he's using it way more than he used to. His overall changeup usage has gone from 18% before the span to 29% in the span. And batters are hitting 137 and slugging 157 off that changeup. And out of 50 pitchers to throw 100 changeups in the span, his slugging against his changeup is the sixth lowest. And uh, just in general, also, he's allowing softer contact along with all the swings and misses that he's getting. His average exit velocity has gone from 88.8 miles per hour to 86.3 miles per hour. And overall, from 2022 to 2023, Scooble's fastball velocity has increased from 94.1 miles per hour to 95.8 miles per hour. And hitters have gone from slugging 490 on that four-seam fastball to slugging 298 on it. Uh, also, regarding batted ball metrics, his sweet spot rate has gone from 31% last year to 24% this year and out of 123 pitchers with 150 plus batted balls against since Scooble's first start of the year Scooble's sweet spot rate against is the lowest in baseball uh since he debuted this year and along with that he's he's him having a low sweet spot rate doesn't have to do with him particularly getting ground balls or particularly getting pop-ups it's, it's both uh out of 123 pitchers with 150-plus batted balls since Scooball made his uh, first start of the year. Tarek Scooball is the only pitcher with a ground ball rate above 50% and a pop-up rate above 9%. Only pitcher out of 123 to have both of those. Um, it's pretty unbelievable. He's getting uh, some, of the, <laughs> some of the highest percentages of whiffs out there. Uh, you know, the, the highest whiff rate on a changeup, along with some of the best quality of contact for a pitcher against um uh which is which is absolutely crazy so he's been unbelievable so definitely someone to watch out for for next year uh potential Cy Young candidate there Targ Skubal is getting a how about that and now we will go from the highs to the lows where we're talking players and subjects that have been underperforming with our Tuesday, September 26, 2023 edition of Slightly Alarming Statistics. He's been barreling up the ball way less. He's not missing bats. He's not getting the ball on the ground, and people are hitting it in the air more. It's been so bad. He is getting a... Slightly alarming. So for my Slightly Alarming, this one kind of comes with a caveat because this guy did just come off the injured list, but uh, ever since he's been off the injured list, Chris Bryant has been... Uh, not great for the Colorado Rockies. Ever since he came off the IL on September 11th, he is slashing 174, 208, 348 for a 556 OPS, a 29 weighted runs created plus. And also his minus 0.4 F4 in this span is tied for the worst among all qualified position players. Um, in this span, Chris Bryant has an average exit velocity of 82.7 miles an hour. And that is tied for the ninth lowest among the 200 hitters with at least 25 batted balls. Um, before the span, strikeout rate was 17.4%. And in the span, it was up to 29.2%. And also before the span, his walk rate was 9.4%. And now it is down to 4.2%, which means his swing, division, swing decisions and his swing metrics have gotten a lot worse. Uh, before the span, his outside swing rate 
was 28.1% and is now 32% in this span. His zone swing rate has gone from 74.7% to just 67.5%. His outside contact rate has gone from uh, 63.1% to 57.5%. And his zone contact rate has gone from 88.4% to 82.7%. And lastly, his called strike and whiff rate has gone from 24.5% to 30.7%. Um, Brian was on the injured list with a fractured finger beforehand, and I think that thing might still be uh, hurting him a little bit. Yeah, Chris Bryan. Slightly alarming. Every once in a while, you forget that he's just floating around on the Rockies, and, you're, and then yep. you watch, you catch a game, and you're like, "Oh right, yeah, he's he's there. <laughs> he's there. Oh. Yeah." <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, he's. What was that? It was like 186 million or something that he got. 872, I think. Um. I I mean, eight, I think it was eight years, one hundred seventy-two is what I want to say. So I did look at it before I did the help or the slightly alarming. For some reason, I had like seven one eighty-six in my head, but mm-hmm. either way, it, good for him. He's just yeah. he's just out there. Seven years, one eighty-two. So I think okay. we had yeah. So I mixed up. I I said eight one seventy-two. So I mixed up the eight. And yeah, the, the digits. Yep. Yep. Um, my slightly alarming is a is a different starting pitcher uh this was kind of out of laziness because i went through scooball span and i was like okay who who is the worst fit in era and it was one of the, it was this guy um i'm talking about miles michaelis of the st louis cardinals i believe he's been an all-star before uh but in his last eight starts he is a 7.24 ERA and a 6.43 FIP in 46 innings pitched. And out of 60 qualifying pitchers in the span, Miles Michaelis has the worst ERA and third worst FIP. And out of 113 pitchers with 500 plus pitches thrown in the span, his expected batting average against is the worst. Expected slugging against is the worst and expected woba against is second worst. Uh, part of this has to do with him not finishing off batters at the same rate. His strikeout rate has gone from 17% before the span to 11% in the span. And his whiff rate on two strikes has gone from 16% before the span to 12% uh, in the span. Only one out of every eight uh, swings by a hitter against Michaelis on two strikes is a swing and miss. And out of 90 pitchers with 100 plus swings with two strikes in the span, his whiff rate with two strikes is the lowest in baseball. Along with that, uh, hitters are generally hitting the ball harder against him. His average exit velocity against has gone from 89.6 miles per hour to 92.1 miles per hour. And out of 85 pitchers with 100 plus batted balls in the span, his average exit velocity against is the second highest. Along with that, his barrel rate has gone from 8% before the span to 14% in the span. And out of a uh, out of 85 hitters, out of 85 pitchers with 100 plus batted balls in the span, his barrel rate is the second highest. And uh, to go pitch specific, hitters are slugging 714 off his four seam fastball, which is his most used pitch. And out of 131 pitchers with 150, with 150 plus four seamers thrown, his slugging against his four seamer is fourth highest. So yeah, Miles Michaelis, you know, he's someone who, uh, gets a lot of success from soft contact, but is getting some of the hardest contact against him uh, in his last eight starts. And yeah, I mean, I think we talked about it in the, or at least we referenced it in the, in the Mark Simon segment is, 
you know, Cardinals pitching has not been very good this year. You know, they haven't really uh, added, they haven't really added much talent to it. And yeah, Miles Michaelis is not, you know, helping their case, uh, having a seven two four ERA in his last eight starts. So he is getting a slightly alarming. All right. And that shall yeah. do it for players to highlight. Should we zip through this last part in four minutes and 45 seconds? Yep. Yep. Um, shout out to the free zoom account. Um, yep. so yeah, as far as series two watch, uh, yeah, I mean, we have, we have, you know, we have some obvious ones, uh, Cubs Braves. You should definitely look for just for the Cubs sake. I mean, the Braves have pretty much everything except the one seed clinched unless they might even have that clinched. Um, but I'm it's not possible. sure possible. They're very close to it. Um, so yeah, just for the Cubs sake, just watch that. Um, along with that, we have it just watch uh Mariners Astros. I mean, that is that is the key series to watch. Mariners have uh, a lot to gain from the series, Astros have a lot to lose uh at this point. So, I mean, there are you know the playoff odds are gonna be just a roller coaster ride for both teams, depending on what the results are. So yeah, definitely watch that. That's over at uh over at T Bumble Park. Um, what do you yeah. got for the day by day pitching matchups? Yeah, so we'll just go over anything with like some sort of legitimate playoff implications. On Tuesday, Hunter Green starts for the Reds against the Guardians uh in Cleveland. That's obviously a big one. Uh Kyle Bradish and the Orioles looking for that division crown will be facing the Nationals at home. And Kyle Bradish is pitching today. Um let's see, Kevin Gosman pitches for the for the Blue Jays against the Yankees. Um, that'll be interesting for sure. Um, and then you got Braxton Garrett going for the Marlins against the Mets at City Field. Um, you have, let's see, what else are we looking for? Um, Kyle Harrison going for the, uh, Giants against the Padres, Christian Javier and George Kirby going against each other in Astros Mariners. And then, uh, matchup of the night tonight comes from Cubs Braves. It's Justin Steele versus Bryce, uh, Elder. Yeah. Yep, good ground ball matchup. Yes. So then on Wednesday, uh, Brandon Fodd pitches for the Diamondbacks against the White Sox. That is in Chicago. Andrew Abbott goes for the uh, Reds against the Guardians in Cleveland. Um, Tyler Glass now goes for the uh, Rays against the Red Sox at Fenway. Grayson Rodriguez goes for the goes for the uh, Orioles against the Nationals. Um, yeah, that that's going on. Um, Let's see, what else do we have that has implications? Framber Valdez and Bryce Miller will face each other in Astros Mariners. Sean Manaya and Matt Waldron, the knuckleballer, will be facing each other in Padres and Giants in San Fran. And match of the night, not a ton of playoff implications, but it's Garrett Cole versus Jose Barrios in Yankees Blue Jays. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's still got, got a lot of good stuff going on in that one. Yeah. So then finally on Thursday, uh, Sonny Gray goes for the Twins against the A's. In Minnesota, Corbin Burns goes for the um, for the Brewers against the Cardinals. Zach Wheeler goes for the Phillies against the Pirates. Uh, Jesus Lazardo goes for the Marlins against the Mets. Marcus Stroman goes for the Cubs against the Braves. And match of the night, there's absolutely no playoff implications here, but it has to be Cole Reagans versus Sawyer Gibson-Long in Royals and Tigers at Detroit. Yeah, you're gonna see you're gonna see a lot of swings and misses with that one. It is. I am I am going to see a lot of swings and misses. Yes, Daniel. Because will I will be at the ballpark. Be, be at Comerica Park, uh, to, to witness it. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, love yeah. to see it. 
Love to see it. And uh, yeah, we hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, if you are listening on the Apple podcast and want to watch the conversation as it happens, go to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the YouTube channel. It is called Above Replacement Radio. Check out the shorts, digital content, playlists, uh, baseball history series, all that. And if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore current and follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs. We hope you enjoyed this one and we hope to see you next time where we will we will be talking all the happenings in Major League Baseball once again. See you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over. <laughs>